welcome to another episode of the Luge Rugby Podcast. My name is Dan Murphy, and with me always is Derek Brissett. Derek, I feel like I'm just like living in Groundhog Day. Another another game on the weekend, another tough arrows lost. They just can't seem to close out those those games. It was uh I watched I didn't uh, obviously, you know, we you guys made fun of me last weekend for not being able to watch the game live, but so I watched it uh while making supper last night and yeah, it was uh ouch. Yeah, um yeah, it's another another tough one. I mean, I don't know kind of voodoo uh the gold jersey has there but you know there's something that's just uh i guess being a struggle to kind of get over the hump but uh i mean was was the trip worth missing an arrows game oh yeah for sure it was oh man that is not the the answer that you're supposed to say here you're supposed to be like (laughs) i listen if anybody's ever look up cabinscape i'm sure they're all booked up for this summer just because people are looking for any way to get away during covid cabinscape it was such a cool experience and then they've got they've got ones like i went to their halliburton like they're they've got some in the halliburton area but they've got some i think in muskoka like they're they're kind of all over ontario so you it's a free ad for cabinscape there you go guys yeah i was gonna say is that did you pick up a new sponsor for the podcast no i did not one of these days i mean yeah like if you guys if cabinscape wants to sponsor us i guess i don't like i'm all for it but um until then, Dan, like, would you just giving away free stuff right now? I am. That's fine. They they did me good this weekend. Yeah, no, it was lots of good good matchups this weekend. I mean, the only really not close game was the the Houston uh, um, Atlanta game. Um, yeah. But let's let's get into this Eros match and and to preface it right but right at, you know right after we recorded last week, the Arrows announced um, a trio of signings. Which uh, kind we got of half the the... signings into the last episode? Yeah, we got half of them in. We got the biggest one in. The least. biggest one in, yeah. Um, so, and some of these have like interesting. I was trying to explain to my wife Ronan Foley's deal with his passport, but let's get into yeah. him first. Ronan Foley, eight man flanker, um, from Dublin, Ireland, twenty two years old, so a young guy. Um, played with um played with Ireland and the under 20s six nations championship featured for Leinster a, and he actually earned a cap with Leinster on the senior side in 2019. Uh, since then he was um, playing with his hometown club and obviously can't, uh, the arrows reached out to him. And, and the reason why I think it's interesting, why he's an interesting player and um, another player that's part of this batch had a same similar situation is that he has a, he's a Canadian passport holder. So mm-hmm. according to MLR, he's designated as a domestic player, but he's not, oh, he's eligible, not eligible for the national team. Yeah, uh, I guess. But it's like, is that because he played U20 for Ireland or is there something else there? Uh, that I'm not sure. It was only Brian Ray made a few tweets about it. So, yeah, it's. I think that trying to understand the eligibility laws for world rugby is something that my brain um cannot comprehend and i feel like you need a legal degree for um so i i just kind of go off as like if i'm just like are they eligible for canada sweet awesome it's nice it's nice that he's uh considered a domestic player for the purposes of major league rugby though still so you know there is there's kind of some benefits there it's 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 always kind of fun finding uh you know as the league has kind of developed right those guys that are overseas that are maybe looking for those 
you know, extra professional opportunities can kind of be like, oh, hey, by the way, I have a Canadian passport or I have American passport. So, you know, it's uh, it's definitely definitely like helpful. Like, obviously, like that's how partly how Higgins ended up as an arrow, right? Is because he has, you know, the Canadian passport and stuff. Obviously, he's actually Canadian eligible, but um, you know, it's uh, it. I think I think those are kind of the guys that you should be everyone like both, on. yeah yeah exactly both every club day, in major only... league rugby should be kind of seeking out those guys that are yeah maybe there's kind of so many hiding guys from ontario that are high level that are willing you know to take the time out of their careers because at the end of the day these guys are going to be the fringe players these guys are going to be the bench players and then when injuries pop up they're going to be the ones that step in the starting lineup or they'll so, end up being really good unless they're amazing and they change change my mind <laughs> um but yeah, it's 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 ingenuity that that the arrows are finding in these these tough times. Um, another yeah, another and, and player. I mean, again though, just like you know, part of part of this is seeing like the amount of guys that are leaving either to represent Canada or Uruguay. The fact that like Mark Winokur is finding a way to field a team like, <laughs> in these circumstances is like, you know, there isn't a GM of the year award. I guess in Major League Rugby, or that they didn't do one before. The NHL has a GM of the Year award. Um, yeah, they won by the same guy two years in a row, which he should. Well, have. no, the GM. The, We're not going to get into that because yeah. I'm mad about that. Yeah, exactly. The uh, the GM of the Year award weirdly voted on after the second round of the playoffs and happens to have three guys that are in the conference finals. Ooh, that's a what a what a shock that is. Yeah. The GM of the Year award is is the Stanley Cup in hockey. It's probably yeah. Realistic. You should there should be a GM yeah. award. There yeah, should. It's. And I and conversely, I would think the GM of the Year award is the shield in Major League Rugby too. That's yeah. your ultimate goal. But um, I'll make an exception this year for Mark. You should the GM of the Year award should be named after him, just based on what he did for this year. If they do that, going yeah, going further. Um, so they so we'll talk about what we thought about Foley and in, in his kind of debut with the arrows coming off of the bench. Um, another player that was immediately slotted into the lineup. Um, Alexander uh, Jalen, Jalen, um, Jalen, <laughs> a French man. Uh, he, he he is a French French, not Quebec French. Um, a little bit older than Foley, twenty six. Uh, I was actually with a um, uh, at the lowest tier in professional rugby in France. Um, he's you know a, a graduate of uh, Toulousean's. Uh, Stade Toulouse's um, senior grade program, which is anytime that you can have a guy that's been a part of that type of program, you're going to want to soak that up. Um, another passport holder, but not eligible for uh, for Canada. I mean, for a good little period of time, we've been worried about Can- uh, about the arrows prop depth. So I'm always going to say, yes, give me a guy who's been in a professional environment and let's put him in to the, what, what the arrows have. So, that's great. Great to see that. Well, uh, I mean, that's that's part of what I'm saying. It's like I'm just super impressed by like, you know, with the way the season's gone. There's been some injuries in the front row. A lot of the front mm-hmm. row guys are going to Canada, and to be able to find guys like Janlin and, um, you know, Tomlinson at the end of the year, that's huge for that's huge for just the team in general, right? To be able to find those guys to make those big depth signings to uh, close out the season here. And then our, our last guy is Hank Stevenson, um, who was actually originally signed by the Jackals and then was then picked up by Utah after the Jackals uh, decided to wait another year. Um, and he's actually on loan from Utah. 
Um, yeah. So how, what a weird season for, for Hank Stevenson, I guess. Eh? Like he's been, uh, you know, the, the, you know, Laurier golden Hawk. So we guess he, he signs with Dallas. Dallas obviously isn't competing, goes to Utah, still hasn't played a game and now is on loan to the arrows. So he's on his third MLR team before playing an MLR game, yeah. which I, I haven't checked. And maybe I should have before doing this podcast, as you can see how much prep I have done for this episode. Um, I probably should have checked, but it's like, that has to be like a record of like, there's no, has anybody else even come close to playing, being on the roster for three different teams before playing their first game? Has this happened in any sport? Where, oh, I'm sure it's probably happened. It's been, yeah, maybe happened in sports. I mean, so, I, I'm sure this has probably happened in baseball. I feel like this yeah, is baseball, hockey, baseball. where you can trade like where prospects get traded all the time. Yeah, maybe. Um, but yeah, no. So it's like I feel like it's the first time in MLR. I could be wrong. Those send me a message on Twitter or something if I am wrong. I'd love to know who it is. But yeah, so you know. But again, though, it's like hopefully you know, you know, sometimes you just got to give a guy an opportunity to play, right? And maybe yeah. you know. Obviously, Dallas's situation is a little bit different, but like you know, Utah's got a, some amazing locks in Utah. Um, like that, they got like a great core, especially with like you know Fortain, um, Uhila and stuff, right? Like, like they got they got some amazing locks down there, and they do, and and, and, and it's that's a tough lineup to crack. So it's like maybe you know maybe he can come over to the Arrows, and maybe he's got an opportunity here. And you know, the Arrows, we know the Arrows are mathematically eliminated, but like. I think at this point for a lot of players and stuff, especially guys like Stevenson, like this is a, this could be an opportunity to show like, you know, this is your opportunity. You got three games or whatever. It's going to three, two, three games to maybe, um, you know, come out and prove to the arrows and the arrows and the rest of the MLR. It's like, you give me a contract for next year. Right. Like that's, yeah. Give me I don't a what chance. you're playing for. I think that's again with, with the, we'll, we'll get, let's get into the game. So with the loss, um, to Nola Gold losing 18 to 12. Uh, the arrows were officially eliminated from playoff contention. Um, it really was it's it was almost guaranteed, and this was the final nail in the coffin. Um how do you think this game went, Derek? Because again, I'm kind of coming off of this like I didn't feel the I already knew what was happening, so and I was also kind of cooking at the time, so admittedly didn't look at the the absolute pinpoint details of this game, but to me, it just felt like this kind of we've we've seen matches like this kind of this year happen. You know, the arrows execution was off, lineouts lineouts were off, kicking was off. Certain points of brilliance, like Lasage's try, that was all him working his butt off, you know, following the chase and, and making some magic happen. And then, you know, the same thing with the, the Mirez kick, uh, um, try the kick from Will Kelly was great. Um, yeah, it was an unreal play from him, but I wanted to hear, hear from, from you, you know, did you feel like this was kind of the status quo of the arrows lately mistakes are kind of piling up and then minutes of brilliance keep the game closer than it should be. Or did you think that there was a little bit more to see? No, I thought like, I thought they actually, like, especially the first half, I thought they played really well, actually. Um, the, the I think you know it's one of, it was one of those games where it's just absolutely pouring in Nola right or in Atlanta, mm-hmm. and you know you can kind of just tell just the the handling errors just amounted on both sides right just because like you can't 
necessarily execute the way that you would want to when you know the ball's soaking wet. So I think I think that was kind of I don't necessarily want to say it was like a grand equalizer or anything, but you know it it definitely it definitely had an impact on the game because it was there was both I felt that both teams kind of when they got you know some good like go forward going or whatever it was inevitably just like okay you're just kind of waiting for that big hit because it's going to be a knock on that's going to end it yeah. um so if you can kind of if you can get like your hand close to the ball or something like while you're throwing the hit it looked like it was there was a lot of guys causing there was a lot of knock-ons in the game part of that was just because of the weather um and then you know like nola, nola's scrum was really good and when there's a lot of knock-ons right team with the better scrum maybe has a little bit of an edge in the in that in that game right and you know, it kind of showed there was that obviously that one, the one really big moment when Matt Harmon came on and just decided that he was going to, you know, push the arrows pack back a couple meters and get a penalty. So, you know, that, that was obviously, that was a big moment from him in the game. Um, I think, I think there was a lot of, there was a lot of really good things. It's one of those games. I'm just like, oh man, like I kind of, you look at a couple of the tries that they gave up and it was like the Dominguez try is like, you know, watching it's a great play. It's a count, nice counterattack from Dominguez, and but it's also kind of like where was it like maybe maybe you you get where was maybe there, you need someone. You know, as they say as they say in hockey, like sometimes you just need somebody to make a save, um, right? And sometimes I like I don't know. Sometimes you just it's a nice try, but like you know, it's tough to watch. There were a, guy a few like, missed tackles, and yeah, and there's a lot of there was some missed that were already turned. Yeah, like yeah, the positioning like, in that play was not. Yeah, like, I don't stuff. think it's it's not a bad try by any stretch because it's like Dominguez did the work to earn that try. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like you know, it's 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 a solo effort counterattack try, right? And I think that's part of the thing. It's like in this game, you kind of look at the way the tries were scored, you know, from from both teams, right? Like you had the, like Dominguez runs a solo attack counter try, right? Um, you know, Lasage's try was like a solo effort play. Right, just you know, charging down the kick, pouncing on it. Um, that was kind of like like Cam Dolan's to like Cam Dolan's try was that like I was just kind of like, okay, like those the mall, the ball goes to deck, and then Dolan, even like everyone kind of like ripping on like I guess like it kind of looks like the arrows kind of stopped. Nola stopped too. Cam Dolan, I think, was the only guy that kept only guy that play. that didn't, you know, kept um, right. And it's like that's you kind of look at that as a mistake or like you know maybe you can argue maybe there should have been a knock on but it's like at the end of the day you still got to play to that whistle right and um and you know so dolan kind of sneaks through there so it was like the two knowledge tries it was kind of like i mean i thought i thought the def the defense overall i thought was pretty good they had like 88 percent of their tackles were made which is solid unfortunately you know some of those tackles that are missed you can kind of pinpoint the uh the two exact plays where most of them occurred um, in uh, the fact that you know Dominguez broke a shed at a couple guys, and then you know there was I think I think it was Cortez who was the closest guy to Dolan when he snuck through the side of that mall. Um, I think though, like there's a lot of positives um, in this game too. Like um, Lucas Rumball is a god. Like it's I I it's it was brilliant. Um, you know he had he had two official breakdown steals. I thought he had three. Um, maybe just didn't get credit for one of them, but I, um, when I was watching the game, my, my notes that I was kind of taking, I had rumble at three breakdown steals, but that didn't end up being the official number. 
but either either way man he's just like one of those guys he just makes all his tackles you know gets to every single ruck um there's no one in the league that is even remotely close to how yeah. he's playing at the break yeah, right i think now. that he's and you know it's funny a few weeks ago dan power did like a poll of who he thought was the you know the starting 15 of mlr and like he didn't include lucas rumble and and i you know replied on the story i said like where's lucas rumble and he said he started off great but he he dan felt that he had slowed up a bit and i think that i don't think that lucas rumble has slowed down a bit i think he's just had to change his game i think that that he's had to been relied upon on so many like so much of the defensive side that by the time that you know, you know, at the start of the year, he was having these monster carries too. Still like, having monster carries. He's got some. I, he's I, I like in the top ten in carries in the league. He's getting a lot of carries. Still. A lot of carries, but like, how? What you know? I think that I, I was looking at it. His meters per or his yards per carry or his meters per carry has been down progressively as the season goes on. I think that you know his season has had some wear and tear on him, mm-hmm. and also. If he's having to do more on the defensive side of the ball, he's probably going to just not have as much in the tank left to, you know, do it offensively. So I agree with you. I think that he's been playing so well. And I think it's, he's just not as noticeable because one, everyone's still looking for the long hair. Two, (laughs) I think part of it is just that he's had to switch up his game a little bit because the arrows haven't been playing the same as they, they did. You know, you look at all their wins where he was brilliant in, and even in the beginning year when they lost their first two games, the arrows were playing a, a much more aggressive style. I feel like lately they've kind of been taking less of an aggressive approach, especially with their offense. And, you know, maybe that's with the, with the fly half change, you know, Adams hasn't been playing as much. Yeah. Um, Anyways, it's, I would it, say it is what it is. I know? would say that rumble is incredibly noticeable every time he's, he's on the pit. Like, I mean, even in this game, he had the most carries for the arrows um, he had 47 meters, which is uh, looks about third, fourth, fourth on the team. Um, and you know, he had you know, he gets he hits like almost every ruck still. Like you said, he had all the breakdown steals, he's getting he got a couple takes in the line out. Um, so I, I don't know how you wouldn't possibly like even like I get that the arrows are kind of losing and maybe that factor is in, but like maybe. Yeah, but but I don't get how you, you don't like I said, like if you look kind of look across the league in like categories, like the major statistical stat categories, he's like he's at the top. He's got the most like carries, ruck arrivals, breakdowns, breakdown steals, he's like lapped like over more than lapped everybody. Um my like everyone like I keep seeing being like, Oh, like yeah, because the next closest guy is Dom on Atlanta with and he's got nine. Right. So if you take the guy in Third, second and third and combine them they still don't catch rumble and the utah warriors if you combine all the players on their roster they still don't catch rumble yeah um it's nuts it's like you know what he's actually been doing is it's crazy um and yeah so i mean and he and he did it again in this game i did think though that this game was a lot of fun partly because of lucas rumble but partly because cam dolan was also on the other side of it and Cam Dolan had a brilliant game in his own right. Um, he had a lot of. He always steps up. I I feel when he plays the arrows. Oh man, yeah. Well, you know, I he, mean, he's an amazing player. He's an eagle legend. You know, like I Cam. I love my favorite part of this game. In all honesty, was just there was a moment where the arrows have a line out, and it gets stolen by Dolan, 
And so Dolan steals the line out. They pull it out to, um, you know, I can't even, I can't remember who actually had the next carry, but so Nola steals the line out. There's the next carry tackles made rumble comes over the ruck and steals the ball back. And I was just like, this is what this game is. It's Cam Dolan. Yeah. I was like, Cam Dolan's doing the thing that makes like, you know, in the line out, obviously he had the try to um, his work rates immense. Um, he's great at the breakdown too. So it was like, it's Cam Dolan. He's got all, and like rum ball too. He gets a lot of carries. Um, and, you know, it was one of those things that was kind of fun. Cause it was like Cam Dolan doing the things that make Cam Dolan one of the best players in the league going head to head with rum ball, doing the exact things that make rum ball, the best player in the league. And they're all kind of good at what each other's good at, but they all kind of also specialize in something that, you know, they're, they're a lot better at the other guy then. And it was a fun matchup to kind of see them going head to head at for the majority of the game. Um, similarly too, like in the centers, JP two plus versus Ben Lesage was, yeah. to watch. and that was talked about on the broadcast and also just kind of, well, you know, the MLR team of the week, the two centers are yeah. two plus C and Lesage the way it should have been after this game. Um, there was just like, if, if Lesage had a carry duplicy hit him, if, Les, if duplicy had a carry Lesage hit him, um, they were both, they were both making their tackles. They were both, you know, battling each other at the breakdown. It was, you know, they're, they were, you know, doing, doing what they could to try to create some offense too. And like, I, I think that's part, part of, you know, why maybe there was a little less scoring. Obviously the, obviously the weather kind of contributes to, to the scoring factors in the game, but like, you know, like both teams showed up to play this one, man. And there was a lot of like good defense and stuff. Like I said like the tries, the tries were all kind of came with like the qu- like quickly, like they weren't, you know, like there was the yeah they, they weren't coming off of a long set plays. Yeah, or, like it was Dominguez. Like, Dominguez you know. had Dominguez had his like I'm you know turning into Nightcrawler and just gonna bamf my way into the uh, the try zone here, um, in order you know just not be hit and just pop 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 and then yeah I'm in the try zone and then he hurt his shoulder on that play and battle through that the rest of the game. And he did a really good job, like containing guys on the edge and stuff too. Um, with, with a, what clearly looked like a very uncomfortable shoulder. Um, well, if we're, we're going to talk about injuries, I feel like we would be remiss if we did not mention um, oh, yeah. Jones. Um, so we want to take the time to yeah. say Spencer, you know, hopefully the injury isn't too serious. Um, you know, it, it's yeah. an absolute heartbreaker folks, you know, uh, Spencer was, was on pace to, um, take part in Canada's traveling squad to the UK. There's even talks about him starting for Canada. Um, so to see this happen is an absolute heartbreaker. Um, since Spencer Jones has joined the Toronto arrows, he's been nothing but an absolute warrior. Uh, he helped keep the fort down in 2019 when everyone else was on international duty. And, you know, uh, so just, just want to say Spencer get better buddy we you know we hope that you heal up quickly and hopefully it's not as serious as as everyone thought yeah it's just rest up i yeah i think that's all you can really kind of hope for man is it like cuz it like on screen stuff like it looked bad like he looked like he was in quite a bit of pain so um yeah it's 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 a gutting one man it's um yes yeah like he he could have he was definitely like obviously on the Canadian squad and yeah, like I agree. Like I think Lesage is obviously one of the starters, but then like, you know, you're probably looking at Jones versus Nawadi for the, the other starting Jersey and stuff. And 
you know, it could have been, it hopefully could have been, hopefully it could still be his first cap. Um, you know, like I said, what don't necessarily, um, do we know the extent of the injury as of yet? I don't think anything's been said yet. Nothing's been necessarily said officially. It didn't, it didn't, didn't look too great though. So, um, you know, I guess stay optimistic maybe. And, um, but yeah, like it's, it's, that's one of the, that's, that's just a terrible one to see, especially like it's at the end of the game too. And it's, um, you know, knowing that the, uh, the tour to Europe is so close and uh yeah man I mean that's tough it's like you said like and even that like Jones you know he missed he missed um all of 2020 I mean as abbreviated as 2020 was um he missed all of 2020 with an injury too and then you know he's he's been a great player for the arrows this year and you know yeah. like um you know I kind of I kind of like him in that that 12 jersey with Lesage um you know, coming over from like where, where he was in 2019 and thir- the 13 jersey more often. Um, I think that 12 jersey really suits his game very well. And he played he played great in this game too. Like he had, um, you know, he had he had a couple great carries and stuff. Obviously kind of taking on the kicking duties a little bit. So mm-hmm. he's getting that added responsibility too. And, you know, so yeah, it's, uh, it's yeah, man, it's just, it was just awful to kind of see him go down like that. Yeah. As you said, man, just hope, uh, wish him a speedy recovery. Yeah. And we're, it's interesting you bring up the kicking because I want to talk to you about this later because we, we need to talk about Canada's fly half situation. So I want to talk about that later. So put a pin on that. Who, who was your player of the match for this game? Who, who do you think stood out? Um, well, like for for player of the match for the arrows, is that, that's yeah. I was gonna say that's usually what we do. Um, yeah, Rumble. Um, it's uh, Rumble and Lesage. I think. Yeah, the co-captains played yeah. really well. I mean, I'm, realistically, that's that's pretty much been the way it's the, the way it's been all year. Pretty much is, you know, yeah. I think yeah, it's, you, you need yeah, your you best do, players to be the sprinkle best. Sprinkle in, sprinkle in Tukula, and you sprinkle in. Yeah, uh, I think. Right, um, Rumble and Lesage, I think, have been like there's there's been guys that have had those like brilliant games. I think Lesage and Rumble have been the two most consistently good players across the board all all for all uh for, sure. for every game that they've played so far. And yeah, like I think it kind of showed obviously Lesage got the team of the week nod. Rumble probably should have had it, but when a back decides he's gonna play open side flanker and get three breakdown steals, like yeah, we're also going to talk about that. He's going to well. gonna get the nod, I yeah, think. At the, sure. uh, he got the player of the week too, I think. Cause, yeah, oh, he did. Um, so I mean, I think, I think, yeah. So it's like I, I think Rumble should have. He, he was robbed. I think should have been the player of the the the, the seven this week, but uh, I you know, disagree. Apparently, with you. apparently we'll talk about that later. Apparently, MLR is just too easy for Billy Meeks. I guess I don't know. Um, what a guy who was playing super rugby in the premiership happens to be good in this yeah. happens to be pretty damn good. Um, yeah, I I think that Rumble had a really good game as well. I'm gonna go with um, one of the new guys, but he's probably the oldest guy is Rob. Oh, true, we haven't even talked about him yet. Yes, yeah, oh, he oh, had oh, he yeah. had a really strong game. It's like he missed no time at all. Right back into the thick Man, of things. He looks great. Yeah. yeah. His, uh, he, he was grizzled and pissy and it was just great. I, I loved it. And I was happy to see Rob back. He, he was one of our favorite, you know, when we first started this podcast way back when he was one of our favorites, you know, we, we had him go into go into the world cup and it was a 
heartbreaker that he didn't go. He was uh, the, uh, I guess, the loose head for the 2019 like team of the year, team of the year or whatever, yeah. right? So like, I mean, and they, oh, he showed up. His work rate was insane in this game too. Like he, uh, you know, got got to you know 24 rucks total throughout the game. Um, a lot of a lot of them on the like he was just his just absolute like monster and you know did did well in the scrum again too like that that was that was great to see like like you said he looked like he didn't miss a beat and uh, yeah offers a little bit of stability with these yeah crazy crazy times that the arrows are going to be going into oh man yeah it's well i mean the whole year's been crazy crazy times and stuff so it's all right well you know what that was was great uh, to, to see him come in and obviously we got we got a little bit of a look at um foley and uh janlin too so um, although Jan, Jan Lin only played, I think like five, five minutes, minutes because, because because Brower, was Brower a put in 75 yet. bloody minutes. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. Welcome. Welcome back to the team, Rob. Thank you. Yeah, uh, yeah. We are actually, we're super psyched that he's back on the team yeah. or yeah. not that he was never, he was never off the team, but great to and see. I forgot, him. honestly, like I was really confused when I saw him in the lineup and like, I knew that he, you know, we, yeah. we, we had rumblings that maybe he was coming back, but I'm like, why aren't they announcing his signing? And then I realized because, yeah, well, right, because he was he technically signed. It's not a new signing. Yeah. It's um, not a new signing. Yeah. They, but he, like, they could have done like a guess who's back. Yeah. But uh, they, that would have been cool. Yeah. The, uh, the guess who's back stuff was all uh, saved up for uh, Sam Malcolm. Sam Malcolm. Yeah. Just can't re- recycle the graphics. Oh, I I don't know. I don't know then. Okay, so we're going to do a little something something here because after this weekend, um the Arrows are losing their uh Uruguayan players. Um Gaston Mirez, Manuel Diana, and Leandro Livas are all leaving. They've already flown to Uruguay too by the looks of it from social media and stuff. Yeah, like they're they're there already. They have said their goodbyes. And then after this weekend, again with the Arrows game against Rooney, um, we will not have any more of our well now eight Canadian players, depending on what Spencer's what's going on with Spencer Jones. Possibly sticking with nine if Vicky Lonnie's going. That's still kind of a question mark. But anyways, we'll be losing our our, our Canadian players that are going to be traveling to the UK. So. What Derek and I have done is we have made our starting lineups post departures. So the guys that didn't get picked for Canada and the guys that are not Uruguayan. And we're going to kind of run through after, who we think should be starting. For after the Rooney game. After the Rooney game. After the and, Rooney. and the other thing that we're going to use, uh, the other thing we're going to say is that this is 100% healthy. Everybody is healthy. Yeah. You know, we, we didn't include guys like Wainwright and Jamie McKenzie because They've got long-term stuff and they're not even with the team right now. So this is only guys that we know are in Atlanta right now are healthy. Um, we're assuming you're, you want it. Well, when you had described it to me, you were like assuming like the day-to-day guys can come back. Exactly. Exactly. So which hypothetically, you know, they might. Yeah. Okay. So Derek, who is your pack? Who You just give me your, your one to eight and you tell me. Oh, okay. So I think, I think the front row, I would go with Brower, McRogers, Cortez. Locks, I want Wadden, Cellini. Back row, I think, is a little interesting. Um, like you said, you said assuming healthy, so that means I'm getting Della Vega back. Yeah. Um, so I would go with. See, the interesting thing is, I do want to know what's up with Vicky Lani. If he is healthy, does he go? 
um, because there is kind of those spots that are up for grabs. And obviously he was one of the guys being talked about. If Vicky Lani doesn't, or if Vicky Lani doesn't go, then I would probably expect the arrows to kind of be Della Vega flesh Vicky Lani, maybe as the back row. Mm-hmm. Um, if he does go, um, I might go with maybe I would might go with Della Vega flesh Francis as a back row. Oh. Okay. Mm-hmm. Where do you have like where are people? I would uh, see that's the thing. It's like my, my question is I would go with if Francis is in, I would probably go Della Vega six flesh seven, just because Della Vega's played six the whole year, and then Francis eight. But all right, I would have Vicky sorry, I'd have Vicky Lani eight if Vicky Lani doesn't go, but if he does. Um, and then maybe I think maybe you got to make mix Foley in there, maybe. Or yeah. Mix not in there. So uh, I think that's the other. Those are kind of the other options. That's kind of a yeah. back row is kind of an interesting one. But I think like I don't know. Maybe can Della Vega play eight? Is that an option? Then you maybe you can kind of go Foley flesh. Yeah. Or not flesh. So I have Della Vega at six. Yeah. Foley at seven. And then I've got flesh at eight. Flesh at eight. All right. Um, I just think that with his size, I think I would rather have him at the back of the scrum. I was trying to think, maybe like the more experienced. And he's such I I I've loved what I would have seen with ball in hand. Mm. You know, I think Della Vega, which is funny because he's cap sevens player. Yeah, I think I just like Flesh as an option. At, yeah, the, I mean, at the back of the pack and again like you mentioned it let's keep Della Vega where he's comfortable he's been playing in the sixth jersey all year yeah. I, um, I'm, I'm just thinking it's like maybe you want the more experienced guy at the back of the pack because that's that's a lot of responsibility yeah that's fair but I think wow. that if we're talking about future aspirations not only for the club but for the country I want to see where flesh stands so i want to give him another opportunity in a different position yeah i think that's i think that's fair i think that's fair okay what does your back line look like all right i'm going ferguson mm-hmm. malcolm at 10 okay uh montero yep at 11 um okay so i guess montero sheridan tukala the outside backs and then okay. I'll be Detroit Richardson at center, at the centers. Hey, no Malcolm. I said Malcolm at 10. Oh, sorry. No Taylor Adams. Yeah, because Malcolm's at 10. So I've got, I, 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 I got... Like, Adams has, I don't know. Adams hasn't been playing. You got, you're probably not bringing in Sam Malcolm to not play for the last part of the year. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, not really sure what's, not really sure what's up with Taylor Adams, to be honest. He's not included on the injury reports and stuff. Yeah, so yeah, I don't know. I don't it's a know bit of a mystery on. there, but... Um, yeah, I mean, like he's in Atlanta. Like, he's not gone. He's there. Yeah, it's interesting. I wonder if it's just a nagging... Yeah, he's not on an injury but Yeah, he's yeah. The, arrow, the arrow's being one of the few teams in the league that do injury reports, and he's he's not on it, right? So, yeah, maybe just... a bit of a bit of a mystery to me as to why he hasn't yeah. been playing. But, um, um, I've, got, I've got Adams at 10, Montero at 11, Detroit at 12, Tuchelet at 13, mm. Richardson at 14, Malcolm at 15. 
I liked what I saw. I liked what I saw with Adams and, and Malcolm last year. I think they had a good dynamic going. Yeah. You have Malcolm the kicking duties. And and I feel like my reason are you just trying to shoehorn in having Adams and Malcolm both in the lineup? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> are you are you gonna look at me That's and fair. say in twenty twenty Malcolm's in shared it or Malcolm's and Adams didn't work Malcolm, out? Yeah, Malcolm and Adams worked out really I think well. that worked out pretty well. And you know what? I, I just think want like someone Tukale is playing so well though. That's I know, bad. but like right. we've seen what a strong defensive minded and also offensively gifted 13 does for your team. True. And I trust Tuchelet to play in that 13 jersey. And he's, he has played in it. Like he's yeah. one of the most versatile players. That's one of the reasons why we were excited about, about him coming to the arrow. So I want to see what he does. And I, I was kind of flip-flopping between Richardson and Sheridan. Sheridan's gotten some of the starts lately, but I just like what Richardson's done this year, so I gave him a start on the wing. Mm. Okay, um, so who do you have in, on your bench? Uh, I went with Tomlinson. You yep. said everyone being healthy, so I went with Tomlinson, Lynott, Ouellette, yep. Shepard. Uh, I guess I... what. Uh, did I say Vic? I said Vicilani was going to be my eight because he's not on Canada, right? Yeah. Um, so I guess I'll go with I got Foley, I got Shepard Foley on the bench, okay. and then Higgins, Adams, and Kobe Fost for the yeah. backs. Yeah, I had I, I, same front row, um, Shepard Francis as my 20, you know, he covers. Both yeah. lock and and back row. It's weird. It's weird because I wrote on my thing I would have him starting at eight if Vicilani's not here, but then I did not put him on my bench if he doesn't. If Vicilani's here, I don't have him on the bench. So yeah, I, he's, he's either he start. Yeah, I guess he's either he's either starting or he's line, with yeah. Canada. There we go. Maybe some questionable lineup making on my yeah. part here. It's like yeah, he either um, starts or doesn't play. That doesn't really make much sense. Yeah, but. and then I've got Sheridan and then Faust. Because Foss can cover oh, yeah, center right, right, right. and and fullback, and then so Sheridan to come out on the wing. Well, there you go. Look at this. I look at my starting lineup, and it, it it's it is an MLR team. Like, let's not yeah, like, I, not give not give this this arrows team credit. Like, this is a dangerous team. Like this this is a team that that can win against a lot of the teams in MLR. Now the question is, what happens when there is one key injury? What happens if Tuchelet or you know, yeah. um, Cellini get hurt or Brower. Well, that, that's kind of, going to be where this these next three games kind of go. You know, I think that's kind of part of what we've we've always talked about on this podcast, or at least yeah. we talked about it a lot last year and going into this season. How the Arrows are one of the deepest teams in the league, and you know, maybe the the wins and losses haven't really gone their way this year, but I still, I still kind of believe that. Like, I feel like. I don't think there's a, like I feel like the the arrows are a lot better than what the record indicates in my opinion. Yeah, but it's you know it's just it's just been one of those years, man. It's just not going their way, and you know it is what it's, it is. It's hard. See, it's hard for me because of the aspirations that everybody. Yeah, has. yeah, exactly. Like, no, it's it's never great to be a contender to then be a pretender. You know. Yeah, like, exactly. To kind know, of to go, it, it's tough. And again, I don't think I the only team that I can ever think of um, that, that had to go through this was um, the Crusaders when they had the, the 
earthquake in Christchurch. And they had to play all their games on the road. This has never happened before in professional sports. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's happening with like, and, and like, it's different from like what the Blue Jays or the Raptors are dealing with because they can, they can afford to fly their families down to Florida and say, Hey, go live in these, go live in this, this condo I bought. You know, because I mean, I'm a multimillionaire. Yeah. So, you know, like, and, and we're not going to get into that because we've, we've talked this, this discussion to death, but it is interesting. Yeah. You see what, what this team's going to look like. And, and there are going to be guys. And I, I was, I was, I've been messaging with, with Brock Smith, you know, one of the, the staff with the arrows. And he's talking about how there are guys fighting and playing for a contract in 2022. Yeah. Who's going to put their hand up with this, that's, this lineup. Well, I see a couple of guys that are. I think, but even at that though, like that's like, that's everybody on the team, but it's also like you have some of these guys, like, I mean, Stevenson has kind of been like, you know, maybe you kind of want to prove to Utah. It's like, hey, man, you sh- guys should have played me more. Yeah, you should play me something, some more. Right? Nice. Like, yeah. you know, uh, there's there's stuff like that going on too, right? And, you know, yeah, like you're not – these games these games aren't like meaningless by any stretch of the imagination, yeah. right? even though you're mathematically eliminated. And I, I, I mean, you know, too, like you're looking at um, – you're looking at like the playoff race and stuff right now. And like, like I said, I think a couple episodes ago or whatever, go ruin someone's year. Like yeah. go, go, you know, go hand, hand New York a loss and be like, yeah, yeah, wait, what's ahead of you guys. Night. Enjoy the last two weeks of your yeah. season or whatever. Um, you know, like you said, it's like, you know, so, someone's going to, you know, those other teams that the arrows have to play, like with how tight the playoff race is, they need wins. And, you know, you can like, a, yeah, go in, ruin someone's year, man. Make a, you know, make some, make a mess of it. Yeah, make some poor fan base in the Eastern Conference hate the Toronto Arrows forever because they knocked their team out of the playoffs or something. Like Man, I remember, you know who I, I remember a few years ago, like this is going back to like when the Leafs were, they almost had made the playoffs and the they were they were waiting on the like last game of the season and it was the New York Islanders yeah. versus the, the New Jersey Devils mm-hmm. and all I needed I needed the Leafs or I needed the Devils to win and they yeah. didn't. They couldn't do it. And, it and they uh they scratched Brodeur and like three. Yeah, they played players. like Scott Clemenson, who ended up playing for the Leafs later on. And I'm like, I don't mm-hmm. want you part of this team. I know it was a doing. shootout too. Like that went yeah. all the way to uh, the shootout. There was hope. There was hope there. And I that was I, like I, that was so far back. That was like I think that was like what 2008, I think. Yeah. And that was like Fletcher era. Yeah. So that was, that was kind of like, okay, they missed the playoffs for a couple of years, but it was like, man, we are not expecting this full like decade of just terrible. Absolute misery. To fall. And now the team's good and they're still causing misery. It's just, it's just, it's I'm actually more upset at the team now that they're good and causing me misery. Yeah. And then if exactly. Montreal wins the Stanley cup, I'm going to lose my mind. Like that's, mm. I hate If I, it was the Boston Bruins, I'd be more upset. I hate the Boston this, Bruins. Not a single team would make me more upset than Montreal. All right, let's move on because I'm I I want to talk about some of the other matches that happened. Um, Rooney gave it up in the end. Mm-hmm. Old Utah, they they just know how to make these these final matches happening. I will say I I didn't get to watch a whole lot of this game, um, but I can't say it enough how happy I am that Quinn Nawadi is getting those center starts. Yeah, I mean, he had a lot. He obviously had the start. Uh, I, you know, it was relatively quiet-ish game from him. I mean, apparently, like you know, he's, you know, I think he's been he was doing 
rather well defensively, but as far as like ball in hand moments, I think there was, there was, you know, just a couple there. I mean, I think he came out in like the 55th or so minute as well. Um, yeah, but it was, you know, uh, it is, it is what it is. Not every game is going to, you're not going to light up the scoreboard every game. I do like though that it's like, even though he didn't really get necessarily, you know, the touches and stuff with the ball as you would maybe want to see, but like he, you know, defensively though, he like, you know, locked it down a lot and, you know, he was making, making some tackles, making some good plays and, you know, he's, uh, you know, from the center position, man, he's making a lot of like really good reads on the defensive yeah. side of the ball, which is definitely something that you do need. So, I mean, even if, you know, even if, even if he's not necessarily there for you offensively, breaks, contrib- yeah. finding a way to contribute other side of the ball, I thought Frazier Hurst did really well to get Utah a lot of quick ball. And, you know, they Utah was able to use their scrum too as a pretty dominant platform for their attack throughout the game. And, you know, the territory and everything was all con- was controlled very well. And I think, you know, Hurst did well to kind of facilitate a game where Utah was playing in, you know, the right part of the park for most of it. And like, you know, obviously not on the pitch for the the final comeback at the end, but um, really interesting to see how Pittman kind of chose to utilize his bench in this game. Obviously like Rooney ran into some issues where like, you know, Fawcett went down really early. Rochford went down really early kind of forced all the, uh, the reserve front row guys to go have go quite the distance on, you know, on their shifts. And, you know, Tawaki was, you know, he, he, like he probably might've played a full 80 if, you know, Scott Green didn't tell him that he needed to leave because he was bleeding too much. And, um, but you know, like, I think the big thing though, too, is like you had those props that, you know, were probably tired because they came in a lot earlier. And then, you know, the second half comes in and you have like, you know, Vandenberg coming off the bench. Right. And you had all their, you know, you had like the, U- the, the big guns for Utah came off the bench. Right. And, you know, like Fortane was there, Cruze's there. Teo's there and it's like they all came in and you know they made a huge huge impact off the bench and um Utah like I don't necessarily think Utah is like the best team in the league but they are the most entertaining there's uh, very few that's teams. probably equally if not more important yeah there's very few teams I don't like as as a fan don't like Rooney since since like 2019 just don't like him <laughs> Wasn't a fan of the Raptors just up until their, you know, RIP. So uh, they don't the exist Raptors, anymore. You know, I did not like them. Um, not a big fan of the Legion. Just don't like them. Maybe it's the, the, the they remind me of Darth Vader. What? Utah. How do they remind? Hold on, hold on, hold on. How do they remind you of Darth Red Vader? and black. And then they know that their like helmet is a part of their like, you know, their jersey this year. Darth Vader, red and black. Okay. All right, that's, that's it's, a stretch. It's a very small. It's a very small comparison. Oh, I guess five zero first legion. We're spending way too much. Five zero first legion. I guess that's kind of a thing, right? He yeah, there you Our go. Vader has a legion. You could have gone with that route, I guess. I forgot who I was talking to. Sorry, everybody. Yeah. Um, oh, I was. But just... I love Utah. Utah is, is such a fun team. You know what? I would rather not them have to like win like this. But hey, listen, you do you, boo good win utah man i have no problem with them winning like this winning like this is fun like let's uh i think though, yeah, like, if you don't want to have like a heart attack the one thing though that i find interesting and it's looking at the playoff race 
right? And it's like, I kind of wonder, you know, because obviously, you know, in every sport, right? Like there, there's multiple ways to go about building a team, right? Like you can go and you can build a team to be like really play really well defensively. You can build teams, you know, for certain play styles and stuff. You can have yeah. teams that like to kick. You can have t- teams that like to be, you know, grind it out in like the breakdown and whatnot. You know, there's, you know, rugby, rugby is a beautiful game for that reason. There's multiple ways you can approach it, right? Like not everybody plays like the spring box. Not everybody can play like the all box. Certainly not everybody can play like Fiji or whatever. Right. And there's a lot of different styles. And I'm kind of wondering, like looking at the way the standings shake up, it's like, I wonder like the Utah Austin battle in the standings right now to me is just fascinating because you have, Utah, who's got one of the best attacks in the league. Yeah. But they win games like you a know, gazillion too. Yeah, they win games like 42-38 or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have Austin, who's got one of the best defenses in the league, right? And it's like, you know, I mean, they, they put up they put up a pretty big number on Seattle, a relatively big number on Seattle this week, but it's like they they win in a lot of games like 17, 12, or whatever the scores are, mm-hmm. right? Scoring under 20 points. And it, it and this kind of fascinates me being like, you know, how do you build your team in, in MLR sometimes, right? Because it's like, you can go with the offensive route and you can go the defensive route. But when I'm looking at the standings right now, I'm thinking you don't get bonus points for playing defense. Yeah, that's a great point. Right. That is a and really, really good cause, point. Because right now we have Utah at eight and five, Austin at eight and five. Utah has 46 points table points to utah's 41 so utah might as well be nine and five as far as like austin's concerned right now yeah because they have a full bonus point win on like on utah or on austin even further than that too like la's 10 and 2 with 50 points right so it's like you know la if you look at the number looks like they're two wins ahead of utah but Utah's pulled up that gap and could, you know, in theory, if LA loses and Utah wins a game, um, which do they both have buys this week? So I guess it's not happening this week. Um, but like in theory, like Utah could maybe leapfrog LA in one game, despite the fact that they're two wins down. Um, so I don't know. I think it's, it's, a, it's a fascinating thing, man. Like it's, it's, it's weird to kind of like, LA I think have another buy. How many buy we? I feel like they're constantly. Oh, I'm just I'm looking at your the schedule that you wrote down here, and you don't have an LA game. So either you screwed up writing down the schedule. No, there's one more. There's one more game. There's one more. Ah, come on. Is it? It's LA versus Utah. Is that what the game? No, it's Seattle. Seattle versus Seattle. So so Utah's got a buy. Yeah. Okay. So all right. Well, that's you. I'm blaming you for that. That's fine. You didn't write down all the games. Yeah, you listen. You didn't write down all the games, so I'm blaming you for that. All right. Um. But either way, like, I don't know. It's, I find, is it a, like, I don't know. Am I crazy here thinking this? It's like, no, I, I agree with you. And like, like that's, the, the standings, I think, award offense. And I think we were worried about this. I mean, uh, New York has flipped the script on themselves, but we worried about this at the beginning of the year with, with New York, seeing that like they're not but, scoring like enough their, points. Their point differential was really their bad. Their point differential was really bad. bad. Now, granted, they had a couple blowout losses and, it seemed to yeah. self-correct itself, you know, after a while. But, but but the table points are still the number one thing, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like, even if you have a negative point differential, if you're scoring a lot of bonus points, that's the thing, right? It's like, 
There's no bonus point. Yeah, for at the time Rooney was not scoring a lot of bonus, a lot of points. They have since corrected that. You know, they've some guys have have Ben yeah. Foden has has really turned it on. Yeah, well, I don't know. I, I was just kind of looking at that. I'm like, I don't know. It's just it's interesting. Like, how do you want to build your team, right? Because I think like you look at like Atlanta, probably one of the best, if not the best, defensive team mm-hmm. in the league, right? They're sitting at the top of their table and stuff, but it's like. You know, if, if this comes down to Utah and Austin having a similar record, Utah will probably edge them out just based on the fact that they like they they choose to play that offensive style where they end up, you know, sure their game might be 45-42, right? But they get the win and the bonus point when they when they do that. Right? They do. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know either, buddy. All right. Um, rugby ATL versus Houston. There's a couple things I want to talk about in this game. One of them is how great is it that Connor Keyes, and I don't know if this is an injury-related thing, but I love that seeing Connor Keyes is getting more chances to start matches. Um, that makes me very happy. And another guy, um, Nick Hilton Brand, got a start this week. Got a start. His, first, his, his first, first start. MLR start, right? So good for Nick. I think he, you know, from the highlights, it looked like he played pretty, pretty well, um, all things considered. Also a messy, messy game. Now, something I want to talk to you about, Derek, is – is the fly half situation. So, Oh God. Povey and, and um, Will Kelly are kind of the MLR contingent of fly halves for Canada going into this, some, this, this, this they are. UK series. <laughs> Have, has either one of them really pulled away from each other? I know that Povey's being used differently because Sam Windsor is, is, you know, um, what did you think of Will Kelly's game this weekend? Did you did you like it or? I mean, I, I thought it's he played, not. He it's not better it, than the previous week. I yeah, I, I it doesn't give me confidence that they t- they took gave Spencer Jones the kicking responsibilities, especially now that Jones is hurt. Pardon me. I mean, if we're talking like Canada and stuff, fly half, fly half doesn't always have. No, to it doesn't. But I mean, then we look at who would then take over the kicking. I mean, hey man, Sophie De Goody kicks for the women's team yes you are correct it's just whatever it's just there's another no, there's no rule another... about who has to kick right it's just... no i know no no that's that's fair but like it's just it's just another tool that they've kind of pulled back because of confidence related things you know i, mean, I think yeah, that i, I think, think that i think there's no way to like will kelly but at the same time though half of the future who, okay so let me ask you this who so houston didn't score a try in this game who they got somehow got 15 points, Dan. Who was responsible for those 15 points? It's most likely Windsor. Yeah, it definitely wasn't Povey. Yeah, but I mean, Windsor, right? That, so that's like, that's they, why I preface this it. with that's why I said before, you know, Povey has a different setup, right? Like he's got Sam Windsor playing fly half B. Like that's really how they've got it set up right now. And it's, it's very similar to what Taylor Adams had with Sam Malcolm. Like they they that that was that's kind of their setup. They've got a ten and fifteen that interchange. Well, I think, I think Adam, Adams and Tukela was more of, or sorry, Adams and Malcolm was more of like they you can attack on like both fronts with it. Yeah, and and for the most part, that's what they try to do with Povey and Windsor. It's just not as successful. Um, you know, I I my my worry is that, and and my worry is I, I talked about this last week with the hooker situation with Quatran and Howard. It just seems like neither of them are putting their hand up and saying, I want to start. Yeah, I I, I think if you put and I think there are two different reasons. Context, I think that, maybe, yeah. Like I think I, 
and I think it's for different reasons. I think that I think that Kelly is just young. I think that everything that all the other things that aren't going right are going to go right with more experience. But right. what's you know, what you knock on Paul V then? In the... It just seems that, and again, I think a lot of this is the setup that's in Houston, is that he just seems very one-dimensional. You know, like yeah. he's he's got a big boot, and you need to watch him for um you need to watch that he will try and step you or he'll try to go through you because he's also a big guy. Yeah. I think, you know, like if, if I'm, if I'm picking it, if I'm Kingsley Jones, I, I think I give it to Kelly. Just because if you want to give him that experience, yeah, but, especially, yeah, I, I keep on forgetting that this isn't the be all and end all. And that that's, like, that's no, my yeah, own bias, like, no, right? Like this, this game, this game's not, I like, there's some things that I kind of like, like I like obviously the grubber kick on Mirez's try. Um, was was great and he's got he's he's had tons um, of great plays like that yeah i saw like i saw a lot of a handful of people like kind of ripping on that drop goal attempt um a little bit i execution wasn't there but i don't mind the idea of it and i think too like if you kind of look at the play it's not the greatest pass from brody is like he has to like kelly has to like lunge over to his side drop down to a knee to catch the ball and then and then set up again. And then reset up not, from where he was. Again, we've already talked about the handling problems in that game. It's yeah, no, yeah. There was a lot of – yeah, it was wet. And stuff. It was kind of a crazy – But idea. it was like – it was one of those plays where it was like the arrows – like Nola was holding off the arrows attack, and it's like maybe, you know, it's an attempt to come away at points. It didn't work it out. It scare them like, like, oh, they're going to try that? It didn't work out, but I don't hate the idea of trying it. I kind of like that he had the confidence to try it. Like that's kind of you know if you're kind of talking about a little bit of a confidence thing, and obviously if Jones, Jones kind of taking over some of the kicking duties in that game too, um, so maybe maybe it's a good maybe it's a good thing that he tried it, maybe like it just it didn't work out though, um, so there sure. there is some poor execution on the play obviously, but I don't necessarily hate the idea of trying it there, um, but yeah, so I mean I don't know I would lean honestly I would lean Kelly I think. I think if if anything, because Kelly's younger too, and it's like you kind of got to go yeah, with, and I think you need to kind of point. find it. I think like you like we've said all the time, it's like this is the most like I like use like this is the most interest interesting position because it's not clear who it should be. I think based on the squad that's going over, it's probably between Kelly Nelson Povey. right? Um, so that's kind of like the, what the competition looks like, and I would hope. In Europe, you get a look at all of them um, at some point in the game because you have to decide who that fly half is going to be um, when you play the United States later in the World Cup qualifier. And I'm, and if he's healthier, and that's going to and that's going to be a big matchup. And I know, like I know, McGinty's hurt, um, so we'll we'll see what happens there. But like, who's who's like the Eagles next next in line? Like Will Hooley, Will Hooley, like, or Will McGee? Yeah, like. The studs right so i mean like that that's gonna be a that's gonna be a big matchup man um so so yeah like it's it, it's important i i still lean kelly i'm still on on team kelly here but yeah, i i i agree with you it's just i think and i i always bring up these these you just i feel like you battles. just you want to see one of these guys just have like a mind yeah breaking. exactly i want someone to say hey here i am yeah. i want someone to go on the pitch and like i thought povey did that in that game against LA. Oh, where he had like three, whatever. Three, tr- three tries. Three he tries. had the hat trick. I thought that was pretty yeah. saying, here I am. Let's do this. I'm going to be Candace starting. And then he just kind of 
but he hasn't, off. he hasn't done that since or been anywhere near it since exactly that's what i'm saying he's, he's trailed off and really hasn't done anything and i think maybe it's really hard to say um and maybe it's just selfish because i want to see what Povey can do maybe it's time for us to take a step houston's take a step back from windsor you know you gotta you're gonna have yeah, a new coach why coming. would you do that if you're if you're houston is windsor's your best player i know but like yeah so why would hasn't you worked yeah but he's your he's your best player so like, yeah, why would you... I think you guys see what, what you got there. All right, let's move on um, because another interesting little piece of news with, with some Canadian rugby is that uh, a Larson went to Seattle and uh, it was Travis traded from, from San Diego. This is his fourth team since 2019, you know, started Austin, went to old glory. They didn't need him anymore. Went to San Diego and now it's been traded to Seattle. I wonder if this is something that um, Curry mentioned that Curry Hitchborn mentioned this on the, in his, in the interview he did with us, that this has happened a lot in Seattle, but it happens a lot with other coaches in rugby as well, is that when a new head coach comes in, he tries to bring in guys that either fit his playing style or, or he knows will be motivated to kind of play their type of game. And Travis has gotten, he got one start and he's been coming off the bench and, you know, he, it's been kind of an up and down season with, with San Diego. So to say that he's motivated is very realistic. And I think that he's actually a guy that rugby Canada might need to look at if Vicky Lonnie or Corey Thomas aren't available. Um, he's a versatile player. So why not? Um, he had a really good game for yeah. Seattle. And, and again, anytime that Seattle is going to pick up another kitty, and I'm pretty happy with it. But uh, I want to ask you, do you think that maybe this summer there might be a movement of some of kind of the, the classic Canadians that we've always seen with Seattle? I mean, you know, Sears, Dudrill, Nikki kind of have fallen out and now are coming off of the bench. You know, that Nikai Penny, I mean, we don't know if it's injury. They really don't put out an injury report. I, I'm assuming he's hurt because yeah. why would you not play Nakai Penny? Um, I would love to see Cyrus Duru in the Arrows jersey. That would be sweet. You know, come home. Every every Canadian doesn't have to play for the Toronto Arrows. Day. No, but ones that are from Ontario, I think would be pretty dope for them to come play for Toronto. Yeah, I mean, it's it's cool. And, and that would solve a lot of problems with their num- with their loose head position. Gold Keith can go back to playing tight head that listen well right I, now you have you have loose heads on the roster now though right you got brower Jen. not not world two-time world cup caliber no that's true uh, that's true i Fox. just yeah no it, it's true Zero is one of my favorite players in mlr so i would love to have him play for the arrows yeah uh i mean that would be cool i'm not saying i wouldn't want him but <laughs> uh yeah like i i don't know like obviously there's a bit of a lot of big changes coming from seattle um, you know, it's, it, it's interesting because it looks like they've done most of their roster assembling during the season, um, which maybe not the best strategy, I guess. Yeah. Um, you know, but, uh, like it, it'd be interesting. Like it's, it's funny. Cause it's like, you're asking, you know, if like, you know, some of these can like what the Seattle roster will look like this year. And it's like the Seattle roster now looks completely different than it did like, what it looked like a month ago yeah and stuff right so it's like i don't know there's there's so much there appears to be quite the significant amount of turnover happening with this team so i i have 
I mean, I feel uh, trying to predict who's going to be on Seattle next year seems like a wild task to attempt. Yeah. Um, I mean, like I said, I'm, I'm all for obviously any Canadians being in. So it'd be, it'd be nice to see them, them all stick around and, you know, get, get some of that, you know, take back some of that playing time. I think, I think part of, honestly, I think part of the issue with Sears Duru and El Nikki at the moment is objectively like the front row is playing well. Right. So, or playing well-ish considering they're a two, what are they, two and 12, two and 11. Um, so, I mean, it's, uh, you know, that's, it's just been a, that's been a rough year for Seattle. That's yeah. kind of like, yeah, that's just been a rough year all around for Seattle. I guess since they've, they've won the shield, it's just, or the second shield, it's just, you know, wildly downhill from, from there. So, um, but yeah, at least they don't wear white jerseys with white numbers though. So, which will always be the bane of Derek's existence. He complains mm-hmm. every time Austin plays hey, man, in those jerseys. You have orange. Just you use orange. I know, buddy. I know, buddy. I've I've seen your seen your, your your messages. All right, the last game was was a real doozy. Um, oh. LA versus San Diego. It felt like a playoff game. Um, LA had a bunch of last minute injuries. I guess some guys just weren't up to fitness levels. So. Billy Meeks is playing as a flanker has, you know, uh, man, of, man of the week, man of the week honors from it. Uh, Michael Smith looks like he's going to get maybe one starting before, you know, one starting game before he goes back off with Canada. Cause guess what? Chris Robshaw got hurt again. Oh man. What a guy. Yeah. What an unfortunate season. And for, for him. Um, and it's like Robshaw has been the, the, the games that he played. Oh, Damn, like this game, like, oh my goodness, like it. This game, too, is like, yo, the steals that he was making, the plays that he was making in his half. It's like, I was like, oh yeah, like this, there's a it's Rob Shaw. It's nice to see him, like, it's nice to see him actually kind of shine as Rob Shaw, not just you know, um, not just the per you know, the face that that they've, yeah, like, you know what I mean. Like, I I hope, and it's a shame that 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 Torero Stadium looked good. It's just, it was bumping, man. It's just one of those, like, it's just a sentimental, like, I love, I think of MLR, I think of Torero Stadium, I think of Starfire, you know, it's just those are just a Vivo would be really cool if the Sabercats were better, better, yeah, yeah. I don't think, yeah, I think, I think that has like. Just because of what it is, man. It's their stadium too. Like it's it's nice. Yeah. Um. So anyway, so LA great to see team. the fans. Poor, poor yeah. San Diego. Yeah. All right. Um, yeah. Was, That's all I really can say yeah. about that. Poor uh, Billy. Chris Billy Robshaw makes, heal up. The, Billy makes is the story story of the week, I guess. Right. Like. Yeah. Uh, he just, he played really well. LA's just kind of showing that they can go through adversity. I mean, yeah. they they've had some rough luck with some games on the road. Yeah, especially in the East Coast. So. I mean, yeah, like they they brought in some like newly signed guys and stuff, and just kind of threw them in too. And like, you know, it's uh, you know, getting you know, picking up just a lot of players and stuff. They're just kind of, you know, throwing together a lineup and still still finding ways to win games. Yeah. And it's uh, you know, yeah, it was uh, this is good. It's nice, you know, it's 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 as as good. Like if you're a Giltini's fan, I feel like as good as it is to see them you know, blow teams out of the water. I think like if you are a Giltini's fan, it probably gives you some confidence in seeing them grind out wins to finding like, you know, finding ways to do it. Not every game has to be a blowout. Yeah, exactly. Finding ways to dig deep and have a 
a back step in at flanker and give you three breakdowns. Oh my god! Um, it still blows my mind. That's... Yeah. So, man, yeah. Excellent. It's also funny with him at Quattrol and him. It was just those two bald heads on the other either side of the scrum, just kind of bopping up and down and like checking like little like like bald meerkats. It was great. It was fun to watch. Yeah. Uh, and the uh, roomies, so that's I, even funnier. Like they, yeah. they, you know, they live together, so it's it's funny just to watch them be so close for once. I yeah. thought, I thought too. I thought Michael Smith was was great in the second half too. Like, you know, he he made a lot of tackles. He was at a lot of, you know, he made a lot of tackles. He was at a lot of like rucks breakdowns. Mm-hmm. Stuff, had a couple, had a couple decent carries. You know, he was very very active throughout the throughout the game, right and. You know, it's uh, you know, his his development. I think just playing one year of Major League Rugby is kind of skyrocketing. You know, there's, there's a reason he's going oyster. to Europe, man. Yeah. All right. Well, in in terms of rugby news, Derek, we don't have a whole lot of it. I mean, we've kind of exhausted that the last couple of weeks. Um, <laughs> there's a lot. Yeah. A lot. Um, one thing that we would like to mention is is Sophia De Good, uh, was named to the Premier 15s team of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, she kind of played all over, uh, but got in as a lock. So. Congratulations on uh, Sophie. Great, great news. On um, the other fun little bit of news that we wanted to share. And, and if you want to see what these, these warm up jerseys look like, uh, r- uh, go to rugby Canada's uh, website, but, or go to their, tw- their Twitter, Instagram, it's all over the place, but to mark national indigenous people's day, which was on the 21st. So a few days ago, rugby Canada announced that their training shirts will be worn that are going to be worn in Tokyo um, are going to have original indigenous art design. Um, a Coast Salish uh, artist, Bradley Dick, who I guess in his own right was a uh, had a rugby background with James Bay, um, designed this this a beautiful shirt um, with a Thunderbird on it. Um, I think that's just a, it's a great sentiment. I know that the the indigenous peoples community has had a rough rough go lately. And for Rugby Canada to say, hey, we are going to take a local artist's work and highlight Indigenous art on one of the biggest stages our sport can offer. You know, the Olympics is a global brand. So I think that this is a really cool opportunity to show respect to the Indigenous and men and women that support our sport and also give us, uh, you know, uh, the ability to play on their lands all throughout Canada. So kudos to rugby Canada for making this a initiative that they, they're, that they're trying to push forward. And I can't wait to see what more plans they have. Hopefully that when we start seeing more jerseys and, and, and the, you know, partnership with Macron with some of their gear, I would love to buy one of these shirts. Hopefully that they'll be available. Yeah. Like I, I, you know, see, seeing the, 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 you know, the indigenous training jerseys, it got me kind of excited for what the actual kits are going to look like. Yeah. And, and, you know, now that I've seen the indigenous jerseys too, I'm kind of like, I hope they incorporate some of that kind of design indigenous into art. the actual kit too. Yeah. I like, think even that, if like... it's just like, you can kind of go maybe like with that classic, like just, you know, the red rugby can, the patch on, on the chest and stuff, but maybe like, you know, because you can do a lot of cool things with like the sublimation now, right? And maybe you kind of like with like that, the, the, the all blacks jersey had like like fern kind of like sublimation. Yeah, exactly. Like, Something oh, like that would be super sweet. Yeah, go kind of that route. You make you maybe mix in some of the indigenous art on the you know the yes. team that way too. That'd yes. be cool. I think that'd be cool. Um, kind of like um, that was what uh, like Hockey Canada wore that at like the 2010 Olympics where they had the leaf and then it had you know the uh, 
some of the art like just kind of inside in the leaf on the logo. yeah that was a, that was i think cool. if you if you do it like that and stuff and you know go the route that they did by getting an indigenous artist to design it and yes. stuff the, the, you know the results can like we've seen like in super rugby some of those um kits that they have down there a bit gorgeous too so um you know i i, I love i love this idea from uh from rugby canada and you know go i i genuinely want to see more of it uh, hopefully hopefully they kind of carry on that theme and stuff but as it stands right now the uh the training kits are awesome so i uh both of us but mostly me made kind of a fools of ourselves uh the last time Stu wasn't here and we did not talk about his picks so or, or include them at all or include them at all so Stu, please tell us in fairness got though, we got curry hitchborn's picks which were better than Stu's anyways. Yeah. So, I mean, was I, was I really that wrong? Yes, we were. It was an awful mean thing for us to do. And we forgot. No. All I, right, Stu, who you got? Who do you got, Stu? All right, fellas. These are my picks for round 15. So first up, we have the Arrows versus New York. It's another double header at the Snake Pit. And I'm going to have to say it's probably going to go the way of New York. Toronto, as we know, just haven't been firing on all cylinders. They just haven't been able to play the full 80 minutes, especially, as you can see, against the game against NOLA. And New York, they're on a charge. They want to secure their playoff position, possibly even jump ATL. They still have a game in hand. but So I think it's going to go the way of New York. Next up, we have the Free Jacks versus NOLA Gold. And it's going to be home for the Free Jacks, so I'm going to give them home advantage once more, and that they're going to take the victory in Weymouth. Up next, we have Houston versus Utah. Houston have just given up at this point. They're only going for penalties, even though they're out of the playoffs, they're not really going for tries. And I think Utah will exploit that, and they'll use that to secure their playoff position. So, the Warriors are my choice. Okay, the second of the double headers, uh, ATL versus Old Glory DC. DC aren't coming off a bye week, but ATL just seem to be on form at the moment. They're just getting everything right. And like New York, they want to secure their playoff position as well. So I'm going to go with the home side, Rugby ATL. And for the final game on Saturday, San Diego versus Austin. Now, this is going to be the thing. If Utah win, San Diego are out of the playoffs. But I still think they're going to be firing on all cylinders. They want to end their year on a high. And I think they're going to be able to just edge Austin. And the final game of the week, Seattle versus LA. It's LA. Seattle have just not been able to see games out. I mean, their game against Austin was very close. But at the same time, LA are just getting back into the swing of things. They just want to see the season out uh, and they're focused on the playoffs. So I'm going to go with LA. But you don't really care what I think. You want to hear what the Toonie thinks. So for all the new watchers and listeners, once again, heads means home team, tails means away. We'll start with Toronto versus New York. And the Toonie goes for Toronto. New England versus New Orleans. The Toonie picks New England. Houston versus Utah. The Toonie picks Houston. 
Okay, ATL versus DC. The two knee picks. DC. San Diego versus Austin. The two knee picks. San Diego. And finally, Seattle versus LA. The two knee picks. LA. So those are my choices. Those are the two knee choices. Make of that what you will. Okay, Derek, so... First, First of all, Stu was a traitor. Not only did he pick Rooney, he was wearing an orange shirt when he did it. So I say we don't invite him back ever. No, I'd miss him too much. I don't have enough gingers in my life. You have no loyalty either, apparently. Dan. No, I don't. And you're not going to like this because I'm also picking Rooney. God. Oh, my God. Traitor. I'm sorry. I listen. Well, no, bring back the Darth Vader quotes, man. I should be telling you to some stormtrooper to take you away right now. That's fine. I'll I'll deal with it in my later life. Yeah. All right. Toronto. Toronto. All right. Next Toronto. game. New England versus Nola. Also, this the Toonie pick Toronto, like a good loyal Canadian artifact. I'm going to use that Toonie to buy something. Buy you a box of Kleenexes. So you can cry over it. Oh, well, you're going to be sad when Rooney loses. I hope I'm sad. All, all the, the entire team has shoulder injuries from lifting that trophy this week. Didn't you hear? <laughs> it's a pretty nice trophy. It's a like gorgeous it. trophy. I actually loved it. I love your tweet that it's kind of making the shield look bad, though. <laughs> also, how many trophies are there? I'm starting to like lose track of the amount of trophies. Uh, all, okay, so there's the, the Champagne Cup, which is the LA New York game. There's yep. the Texas Cup. Fire Nice Cup. Cuisine Solutions Cup. Yep. Um, That's four so far, including the Fire and Ice Cup. Fire and Ice, yeah. Um, I think that's, that's about it. And then, obviously, the Shield. But I think that's about it. Right. That's five trophies. Is that a regular thing in other... Like, I don't remember I this think, being a big I mean, thing I with think. the Pro 14. That's the league I probably follow the most. <laughs> like, this is a little aggressive. <laughs> hey. Get it together, guys. It's I know fun. trophies are nice and they're shiny, but like, stay away from the shiny stuff. Okay. MLR Virtual Cup. I forgot about that one. We're at six cups. Holy moly. Okay. New England versus NOLA. New England is home. Sorry. What was that last sentence there, Dan? New England is home. New England. Yeah. That's where I'm going with it, too. Heck, even the Toonie went with that. Atlanta versus Old Glory DC. Oh man, Old Glory has kind of struggled, and yeah, I think I think just Atlanta's defense, I think, is just kind of too good. So, yeah, we'll go with Atlanta. And they're also getting Kurt Coleman back. They are getting, yeah, wow. So yeah, so, right. we don't have much news to talk about. Dan, uh, yeah, coming back. Uh, also, him and Ryan Nell. Like Ryan Nell was announced a couple weeks ago. Um, so he's probably just getting back into like the rhythm of things with the team. Yeah, absolutely dangerous, terrifying. Holy moly. Um. San Diego versus uh, AGs. Oh man, what a what a tough one! I'm going with Austin. I I think that Stu picking San Diego. Mm. I think that what I've seen with Morath leading the leading the way, I I like this this Austin team. Yeah, I I, I think San Diego's at home. You get the bump from Torero. Uh, what's yeah? 
this man, it's this this is gonna be this is probably the biggest 50-50 game. So I think this is this is a bit of a toss-up. So I think because we should I think our pick should resemble that. So Stu and the Toonie went with San Diego, you went with Austin. I'll I'll even it up and go Austin. All right, joining me. I like it. Oh god, well, I've made a mistake. Seattle versus LA. Um, I mean, I'm surprised it's taking you this long. I know. I'm just trying to think of a clever joke for what I can say to pick LA. That's all I was trying to do. Um, even with wait. even with centers playing flanker, I was going to say, you know what? All right, let's, like I think what needs to happen in this game is the backs for LA play forward and the forwards all play backs. I want Charlie Abel at fly half. That's what I want. No, and, I want Charlie Abel as fullback. I want to see what his kick's like. Fullback? Yeah, there you go. And you know what? Even if LA did that, I'm still going to pick LA. Yeah, I'm going with LA. I don't think that that would happen. I think that Gitau and Cooper would not last in a scrum. ETH at flanker could be fun. I think he, he might be able to pull that maybe, off. Maybe, maybe. But, like, we can't put all of them at flanker. Where We'd have to put somebody at prop and lock. Yeah, no. I, you can put them all at prop. Pierce. I'm going. Who's the small Luke Burton tight head prop? Do it. Sure. Well, I think All I... right. And then the last game of the weekend, uh, Utah versus Houston. Yeah. So first of all, Dan, you uh completely just threw like just... it's not. Yeah, I know it's not the last game out on that that part. I watched the, the the chart. It's somewhere in the end. Seattle always seems to have the last game of the weekend. It's been uh, kind of a tradition for me. Sunday nights watching Seattle. It's been kind of nice. Yeah, and I've been so close lately. So yeah, but now I have to I have to go back and edit out that entire part where we talked about Utah and LA having bye weeks because it's clearly not true at all. No, I corrected it. We corrected that. We we talked about well, it. No, because we just found out about the Utah Houston one. So we only no no no. You know what? It's all your. I'm. I just want to do extra work. That's that's really. Yeah, good. I'm still blaming you. Right. Um. So this was that was a long convoluted way of saying Utah by forty. Yeah, we just didn't want to have to talk about why we're picking utah because it's utah sorry toonie i don't think that you're pulling out the magic win with uh picking (laughs) yeah you know it's funny because it's like the uh the toonie has kind of had like some that are just like oh man they actually like nailed this huge up it like you know nails this huge upset pick and then the next time you see it pick and it's like houston winning a game and you're like oh Oh dear, no, Tony. So, so, so sorry. We Tony. have to. The one thing that we've really been slacking on as a podcast, we have is our to record and try and figure out what everyone's yeah, record at. I know. Every week, I go, ah, oh, you know what? I'll, yeah, I'll look into it. We should go. We have to go back before the end of the season and figure this out. We've been slacking on actually keeping track of the records. We just no. That. There is one specific week where I went and I did it, and I haven't done it since. So. Yeah. Next no, week I will come back. This is I am swearing to you on the podcast. Next week I will have our records. Our records so far this season. I'm gonna, hold, I'm gonna hold you to it. And so God help me, I will figure it out. All right. All right. Well, that's that's all I have for today, Derek. Um. Yeah, it's gonna be an interesting, uh, interesting weekend. Hopefully, we'll be able to watch the Lions test. Hopefully, you know there'll be some good matches. I mean. I think other than the win too. Yeah. Hopefully terrible about yourselves. (laughs) No, I've I'm my heart's just been broken. I don't care anymore. That's not true at all. You You have a podcast talking about this. You care a lot. Um, yeah. Other than the Utah Houston game, all these games look like they're going to be pretty close and pretty fun. So I'm looking forward to it. 
Um, if anyone is interested in listening to our previous episodes, we have a catalog of interviews before the, the season and a couple during. Uh, our latest one was with Curry Hitchborn. You can find them on all the po- uh, podcast platforms. Um, on YouTube, we have them in video form. Um, if you want to look at my jerseys on the wall, they're all there. They're there. They're there. Canada, Ireland, Wolfpack, Arrows, got it all. Um, and if you want to kind of see where this podcast is going, you want us to kind of hit certain topics, have certain guests on, hit us up. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, we're active on all of them. Uh, LaRouge Rugby. And also uh, email us. Our email is in uh, some of our links on our social media platforms. Derek, what is the email? LaRougeRugbyPodcast at gmail.com. Send us some questions. Let Apparently us know what somebody you already had LaRougeRugby at gmail.com. And you know what? It was probably me. I forgot the password. So that's that's on me. Uh, Derek, thank you very much for joining me tonight. And hopefully this weekend we'll see lots and lots of good rugby. <laughs>